Hi, Vet Girl here today with Dr. Jane Shaw, who's a full professor of veterinary communication and the director of veterinary communication for professional excellence at Colorado State University. Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Great to be here. Thank you so much. So just so our audience knows who you are, do you mind giving us a little bit of background about who you are, where you trained, and where you are right now? Starting backwards, I'm currently a professor at Colorado State University College of Veterinary Medicine. I've been here for 14 years, and I teach the communication curriculum. We have over 52 hours of communication curriculum for our veterinary students. And I also conduct research, which is what we're going to talk about today. Um, And then I also do continuing education workshops for veterinarians. Um, My training is as an epidemiologist and as a companion animal veterinarian with an expertise in veterinary client-patient interactions. Wonderful. So I wanted to reach out and interview you on a recent publication that you had in the Journal of the American Veterinary Medical Association in 2019. And this was called Comparison of Veterinarian and Standardized Client Perceptions of Communication During Euthanasia Discussions. And I thought this was a really important topic, especially since we as veterinary professionals, unfortunately, end up euthanizing so many patients in a, in a week period. So I wanted to first ask, what made you want to do this study and how'd you go about conducting this study? So let me start by backing up just a second. So this study, I want to make sure that I give credit where credit is due. So this study was really conducted by um, Leah Nogueira-Borden. And so she really took the lead. Leona Garrett Borden was completing her master's at that time, and she did this very innovative study. And so I want to make sure she gets credit for um, all the things that we're talking about today. We were particularly interested in studying how veterinarians communicate during euthanasia discussions. This was a follow-up on um, some previous studies that we had done about just general communication that veterinarians have in wellness appointments and health-related appointments. And um, the other co-author on this project, Cindy Adams, part of her PhD work, did some very in-depth interviews with clients um, understanding their grief. So in many ways, it was kind of a continuity of us understanding more and more about how veterinarians communicate during very sensitive, um, difficult, and perhaps sometimes challenging conversations. And so from my understanding in the study, you utilized two case scenarios, and I was wondering if you could tell us what those scenarios were and what you studied when it came to the veterinary communication during those clinical visits. The unique methodology used in this study is the use of an undisclosed standardized client. And so um, in the marketing world, we would call this a secret shopper. So this is someone who presented to the vet clinic. The vet clinic knew, or the veterinarian who was enrolled in the study knew that they would have a visit from someone at some point, but they were never told when that would be and would not identify that person up front. And so those two individuals portrayed um, two different clients. One was a male client with feline inappropriate urination and a chronic problem of soiling in the house. And he had just moved to a new home with new carpet and had just um, met a new woman in his life. And so there was conflict in the household surrounding this cat's behavior. The second client was a woman with two twins, and this dog was a geriatric dog with chronic arthritis who she had adopted from when she lost her father. And so she, you know, has a very full life with two twins and then has a geriatric dog with arthritis that she's trying to take care of. As part of this methodology, the undisclosed simulated clients had an audio recording. So they would audio record these visits, And then we went through and analyzed those audio recordings. And we used something called the patient-centered method, which has been used commonly in human medicine, 
This is the first application of this method in veterinary medicine. And what we mean by client-centered method is that um, the veterinarian focuses not just on the patient, which is, you know, of course, a really important role we have as veterinarians is to take care of the patient and advocate for their welfare and their health, but also in doing so that we also balance the needs, perspectives, thoughts, and values, and beliefs of the client as well. Um, and so that's what we call client-centered care. So the method allowed us in two different ways. The first, there was a, a previous method that allowed us to analyze the audio tapes. And in this study, we're looking at um, using surveys. So at the end of each of the interactions, the client completed a client-centeredness survey. So they reflected on how client-centered they felt the visit was. And then the veterinarian also completed the same survey, a client-centered survey, on their reflections on how client-centered they thought the visit was. Excellent. And what did you guys end up finding when you analyzed all this data? What are some takeaways we can get from this study? Good news and bad news. That veterinarians and clients were not connected. They did not have the same level of agreement on client-centeredness. And so when you compared the two surveys and you looked at how clients and veterinarians responded for many of the items on the survey, they did not have agreement. And so that's an indication that veterinarians and clients were not seeing or viewing the appointments in the same way. And so that tells us there's a bit of a gap. And one of the biggest areas of gap was taking time to understand the personal and family issues within each of these cases. So for example, when I told you a little bit about the scenarios in the feline inappropriate urination case, some of the family and personal details was that he had just purchased a new home, he had brand new carpeting throughout the whole house, and he had a new relationship. And so it wasn't just him and the cat making these decisions, there was a third party involved who was also putting pressure on the situation and feeling really frustrated about um, this cat's urination behavior. And likewise, when I shared with you earlier about the geriatric canine scenario, this was a woman who has had two twins. She also, um, as a young young family, had financial concerns. Um, and so some of the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs are expensive for treating arthritis. And that was a struggle for her. And then she was also caring for this dog in after following her father's death. And so I think there was some perceptions of guilt and responsibility for being able to do the right thing by her father. And so what is the take-home? The take-home is uh, making sure that we take a step back and learn a little bit about the greater context, so in which this client lives. So what are their relationships with this animal? Who else is part of this family unit? Who else is part of this household? Um, How is this impacting everyone in the household? Um, How is this impacting the welfare of the animal? How is the animal's temperament and behavior and character changed over time? What are they most concerned about with the animal? And so taking time to explore some of these questions is a really important component of any type of appointment. And in particular, when it comes to euthanasia discussions, to understand the full degree of pressure, perhaps, or concern or worry that the client and anxieties that the client is going through right now as they are thinking about whether euthanasia might be the appropriate decision for their animal, given what's going on. So what are some of our takeaways on how we can specifically improve the euthanasia experience for the pet owner or any communication tips you want to leave with us? So I think that the big communication tip that I would leave with you is asking open-ended questions. And some of those questions might be, well, tell me how this came about. It sounds like you've been thinking about this for a little while and it's been really challenging. Share with me what some of those challenges are. Tell me what this dog means to your family and how it came into your life. 
it sounds like this has been going on for quite some time with your cat. Tell me about how that's impacting you and your relationship. Gosh, you've got a lot on your hands with two new twins in your life. Tell me how you're balancing all this. It sounds like you're feeling stretched financially. Tell me how you're doing with balancing the cost of these medications. So taking time to ask some of these questions that may feel, you know, I understand that sometimes they may be feeling a little intrusive, but if clients are sharing these things, sharing that they're struggling with the finances or struggling with a relationship at home around their cat, then clients are opening the door for us to be able to ask those follow-up questions and understand the full complexity of the problem and understand the full complexity of what the client is trying to address with both the animal, but as well as all the family dynamics in the household. Great hints. You're right. It does oftentimes feel intrusive, but I think it's really important that we be both empathetic and compassionate when we're asking some of these questions and oftentimes just putting ourselves in that position of where that owner may be coming from. What I found often is the owner is hesitant to even bring up the quote E word or the euthanasia word and oftentimes wants the veterinarian to bring it up instead of the pet owner themselves. I think a lot of times there's a guilt associated with it too, don't you think? Yes. And I think another finding here. So in um, when you look at the differences between the two cases, one of the last questions that we added to this study was, to what extent do you feel better prepared to make a decision regarding euthanasia? And the, in the cat case, many of the clients felt prepared and ready to make that decision. But the geriatric canine case, they did not feel prepared to make that decision. And so they also, I think there was a, a gap, you know, what you raised was how do we even raise that word, but then how do we actually talk about it and talk about what the other component of a euthanasia discussion is all the things that we can do to take care of the client and the pet during that. So who, who will be present? Where will it take place? How they like to care for the body, whether they have any special wishes that they would like, you know, whether they would like a paw print and, or hair clippings, whether they like to take the animal's body home with them, all these different decisions. And so part of being prepared to make a decision is to know all the components of that decision-making process. And it seems like there also was perhaps a gap or a missing, missed opportunity to really equip, especially in the canine case, equip that client with the information that she needed to be able to make um, an informed decision and to make a decision that one, one that feels comfortable to her that she was ready to make. Now, I know you're often famous for saying the phrase, chunk and check. What are some of the biggest blunders or mistakes that you see veterinary professionals making, whether or not it's in the area of euthanasia or just veterinary medicine in general? So in relation specifically to chunk and check, we tend maybe too enthusiastic. I think it's a really wonderful intent that we want to educate our clients and provide education to them and give them the knowledge they need. And sometimes we get over enthusiastic and give them too much information at one time. And that's what chunk and check refers to. It's kind of like dumping a big dump of data on the client and then moving on, making the assumption that they understood or they processed or they're in agreement with what we just said. And so chunk and check is a way of breaking down the message into pieces, into what I'll call bite-sized pieces, and then taking a minute to ask the client, so what further questions do you have about that? Or what concerns do you have about changing that medication? Or how do you feel about pursuing those tests today? So we stop and we check in to try to see if the client's on the same page with us, both in the level of understanding, but as well as a a level of compliance or adherence to our recommendation, um, and whether they're committed or bought in to taking a next step. 
Fantastic. Thank you. I think another important thing is always reflect back to when you were a first year vet student and we didn't know what paritis was or renal or toxicity. You know, we only understood kidney or poisoning and just really remembering not to use too much medical jargon that we take for granted every day when we talk, but making sure that we're explaining it in a way that a pet owner could understand also. Exactly. And there is a component of minimizing our medical jargon. And it's also important in today's society with with the advent of the internet that we take a minute to tell the client the exact medical terms. So if they're interested in doing their own research and we can empower them by sending them to the appropriate website and give them the appropriate diagnostic term for what's going on with their animal so they can do the follow-up and be able to read more about what's going on um, and, and develop their own understanding. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Shaw. We really appreciate everything that you do in the area of communication in the veterinary field and really appreciate you taking the time to join us for today's Vet Girl podcast.